Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hello, I'm Sarah Smith, proud sponsor of Dumpty Dum. If you want to polish up your Albion, give your optics a wipe, or even mop up after your ferrets, Sarah Smith cloths are eco-friendly, reusable and washable. And, you know, a bit posh. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the posher washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Doug Faunt would like to dedicate this podcast to Oliver Hazard Perry, the ocean-going full-rigged ship in Rhode Island, USA. They develop and teach sea-oriented educational programs for secondary and college-level students who want to sail the seas. Donate to them today at www.ohpri.org. Dum de Dum the show about the reality docky drama that centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the winner's trophy. That is Roy Field Brown, and with me are the googly that is Lucy Freeman. And the most important part of our single wicket, folks, is you. Now, today's rendition of Barrett Green is brought to you by. Mm, who's it brought to you by? Uh, let's see. Uh, do, let's do Vicky Cole again. Vix, you got your second week. Right, so it's brought to you by Vicky Cole. Now, Lucy. Yep. Can you remind? Our listeners who are scattered across the four corners of the world. If they're not in Kenya, they're in America. If they're not in America, they're in Australia. And if not there, there is somewhere else between or besides. Why don't you just tell folks how that with the wonderful, great, brilliant accolade of Dumpty Dummer of the Week. Yes, if you want to sing us a Dumpty Dum or shove a mysterious foreign man up the culvert, please get in touch via SpeakPipe <laughs> on the site or ring 0203 Thanks to Harriet at Shambridge for her amazing voices and lovely Sarah Smith for sponsoring us. Oh, can I just quickly say something? Yes. <coughs> you need to watch that chest of yours. That's the first <laughs> thing to say. Second thing to say <laughs> is I had a little look, as I do every Monday when we record Dumpty Dum, for reviews. Yep. And we've got a couple of reviews, so that's all kind of great. Then I realised that Harriet has now put on her sham bridges on iTunes. Oh, has she? Guess how many reviews she's got. I don't know. 
She's got none. So I oh. implore you, everybody, to go out and give us some reviews because they're bloody brilliant. Yeah. They're so brilliant that I'm going to end our show by cheekily putting on um, her very last one, which is about the election. It was so good, so funny. She does so many accents and she's just brilliant. This woman is just, what's she doing on our show, Lucy? I don't know. I'm hoping she doesn't really, you know, one day she's going to realise, isn't she? We're just never going to hear from her again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I don't know what we've said to Connor into being on for so long, but anyway, let's, whatever it is, we'll just have to keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. Let's just keep doing it. But she is multi, multi, multi talented. And as I say, at the end of um, our show, I'm going to put on her latest sandwiches. And please go on iTunes and give us some reviews because she deserves them. Now, we want you to see more Sarah Smith action. So send us pictures of yourself doing impressions of Archer's characters with a Sarah Smith cloth. Whether it's you dressed as Jennifer giving your Albion a quick once-over or maybe turning it into a Brian-style cravat, we want to see the photos. And your favourite one will win a dum dum mug. Uh, thanks also to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. Uh, Derek's cross as he tried to help Pip and Josh out. No, he didn't. He tried to help Phoebe and Josh out with clues for the treasure hunt. Uh, they rejected the only one he came up with, which is it's pink, wrinkly and hangs out my trousers. And the answer was, of course, his wife, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> is that an old one? It's very old. <laughs> <laughs> That's wrinkly. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Uh, right. Now this week we've got calls aplenty. We've got now, calls from everybody in the world. I don't think there's anyone left who hasn't rung us. What? We've got seven billion calls. Yeah. Really? Yeah. We got calls from the Inuit in the like <laughs> who don't even have phones. You are such a pedant. You take pedantry to new levels. You really do. No, I don't. It's what it. It's. I'm just a foil to you. And you, with your comic wit. So I don't have your rapier style, lexicological, logical. <laughs> I don't have your... Hmm, teeth, by the sound of it. Teeth, yeah. Teeth. I don't have your teeth. Only no. you have your teeth, Lucy. <laughs> I don't have your charming wit and your fantastic wit. So I just have to combat you in another with way. Fact, when I get carried away. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. So we haven't had 7 billion calls this no. week. What we have had is a bloody lot, though. Yes. Right? And what people don't seem to realise is it means that it's bloody longer for me in the edit. This week we have calls by the bazillion, as we've just said. And the first one is from... It's from Dusty. Now, do you remember Dusty used to be my A1 girl, Lucy? Mm -hmm. She ain't anymore. Can't Why? But she doesn't respond. She doesn't respond. She's to like what? old fish. You know, I you know, I nice her up, I flirt, and she just doesn't respond. How do you want her to respond? Uh that's a very good point, actually. I don't know. See now you're being like Shula. She's not giving me enough attention. What do you want? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's wrong. And I don't like it. So now I'm going to go off with someone else. <laughs> oh I do feel hard done by. Actually, do you know who you most remind me of? Who? Charlie Brown in the Peanuts cartoon. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I'm going to start calling you Charlie. <laughs> Why, is that because I, I lie on top of the doghouse? <laughs> no, that Snoopy lies on top of the doghouse. I thought they what both What with him did being it. a dog? No, Charlie Brown didn't lie on top of the So, dogs that normally lie on top of kennels. Well, 
they don't talk and be friends with a small bird either, do they? But that's they true. Think. That's true. All right. I never really did find peanuts particularly that funny. It's not funny, really. It's just it's pathos and human nature. It's very philosophical. Hmm. Uh, well, it was all over my head as a little kid, and I just thought this is rubbish. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, so we've this, uh, so we've like really no. delved into it, and Dusty doesn't like me, right? But this week she's fascinated by Ricky with the pimples. Maybe that's what you need. Mm. Get a few pimples. Andrew Horn. Now he's someone that who likes you. Actually, Andrew Horn. He sounds like a proper gentleman, doesn't he? He's taking me out, you know, for lunch. I'm... You keep, you said this about two months ago. No, 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 ago. he is. We've got a date and everything now. But he's taking me to somewhere called... Ah, uh, I forgot what it's called. But it sounds like boobs. Uh, bangers. That's what he's taking me. <laughs> <laughs> you can't take somebody there, can you? I know, I said to him, hang on a minute. Is that like Hooters or something? I don't want some knackered Eastern European breast dangling in my starter. <laughs> He said, I thought you would like the innuendo, he said. I like his style. Well done, Andrew Horn. <laughs> um, Barrett Green, who's worried about Auntie Cardboard turning into papier-mâché. Midme City, who's our second royal caller in a row. who's back, who hey. thinks a wedding is on the cards. Lady Garf Garf, who doesn't understand Shula, and she's in good company there. Goddess Diva, who can't leave her pussies alone. Mrs Bentos, actually... I've got a big thing for her. <laughs> I really have. She, she's my new A1 Wonder Woman. Is she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's proper funny. And she said lovely things about us and she's written lovely reviews. Mrs. Bentos, who is after Barry's crisps. Auntie Jean, who thinks Ed is missing out. And Lucy's sister, Charlotte, who says that Lucy has got some apologising to do. You do, you know. Mm, you absolutely so. do. You do, absolutely <laughs> do. And I said, and too soon, because and bringing up the rear, we have Jojo Sexy Heels, who is depressed about scruff. But first, before we get to the good stuff. <laughs> we have to sit through this shit. <laughs> no, I was going to say, here's some even better stuff. Ah, all right, sorry. Go for it, Lucy. <laughs> This week on The Archers was mostly brought to you by powerful hallucinogenic drugs. I don't know what the flaming nor the scriptwriters were smoking this week, but it was clearly knocking their socks off. There were more out-of-character shifts this week than in any other I can remember. It was the Wingle Sicket. Someone shouted, shot Rob! And for one joyous moment, I thought someone had actually shot Rob. But sadly, he remained well enough to win the damn thing, get pissed at the ball, and then throttle Stefan with his own artificial inseminator and bury him in the culvert, along with Scruff, Shergar, Elizabeth's self-respect and Kate's maternal instinct. <laughs> Alistair was away again, keeping up with his contacts and doing networking. Oh, yes. Naked networking with ladies in a casino that specialises in fleecing the prematurely senile vet. Kenton had a sulky pouty fit when he realised that David and Ruth were not coming to the Wingle Sicket because he was, despite the fact that the week before he had refused to go to an event because they were. He cheered up momentarily when he was allowed another go on the megaphone, and despite all his constant worries, had been able to cobble together a mixtape to accompany the Wingle Sicket. Priorities, Kenton! 
He actually <laughs> unveiled his true feelings and shouted when David made the dreadful gaffe of trying to buy him a gigantic telly. But you are my younger brother and I am older than you and that means I'm taller than you and bigger than you and cleverer than you and you will never ever be older than me so I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Which completely bewildered David and the rest of us as Kenton seems to have abruptly switched from Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky Jack the Lad to a raving loon on a park bench. You've always hated me, haven't you, all of you? Well, I don't care, because Jesus wants me for a sunbeam. <laughs> Eddie has got a new job. He is now a builder. Eh? As far as I knew, he was employed by the unwary to do a terrible job of their patios and was never employed twice by the same client. He also sold badly made pornographic gnomes and worked at the cattle market. He has now been employed, apparently, to build an entire housing estate or something, which is only going to end badly. The fantastically dull Open Farm Sunday is here again, with all the joy and spontaneity of recurring syphilis. We listen to them writing posters, we listen to them planning nature trails. Honestly, it is a truer test of the die-hard Archers fan than the ruddy Christmas play. If you can cope with the run-up to Open Farm Sunday without slaughtering your nearest and dearest with a machete, you can say, right you are, I am indeed an Archers lunatic. Will's transition into semi-likeable human being is continuing with his clearance of the old prams, pitbull terriers, rocking chairs and toothless Arkansas <laughs> grandfathers from Edward's back garden. And then Auntie Cardboard did what everyone had been telling her to do for weeks. It's funny, isn't it? You're, we've all been there. Your home gets completely flooded. You put a pump and stuff in it like you're supposed to. And you take away a few bits that you might need. And then you just leave it. You just abandon it. Everyone tells you you should pop back and check up on it. But you say, no, it would be too upsetting. So your home and some of your prized possessions, like your jewellery, is just left. With an electrical pump going in the house and no one there to keep an eye on it to make sure the pump hasn't burned the house down and the people who keep telling you you should go and check on it they don't go and check on it either for you and then then you do go and the place has been burgled who knew burglars targeted empty properties <laughs> <sighs> jenny darling completely threw Ruari to the wolves and left him to mother of the year madikane's tender ministrations I wonder what he's doing up there, Kate mused as Rory struggled to climb out of the airing cupboard. Pip has taken to jogging round the village in the hope of bumping into a fair brethren so she can trip him up and then hit the ground before he does. And then a horrible heart-rending episode in which we thought Scruff was back for Lindy Bottom's birthday, but he was not back. It was very sad and served the dual purpose of highlighting Lindy Bottom's love for him and how sodding useless Lillian is in a crisis. She began wittering on about Lassie come home or something and then ended up sort of saying lamely, well, you can just probably get another one or something, darling. Thanks, Lillian. Have you thought of a career in counselling? If so, I should specialise in brothers in crisis. There are a lot of them out there. The end. I thought that was a bit harsh on Lillian. <laughs> well, she was a bit useless. Really? Well, mm... The thing is, not everybody's a natural kind of doggy pet person, are they? No, but if to some people, I mean, losing losing a dog is like losing, you know, well, not a child, but it's like losing, you know. It's like losing a dog. It is like losing a dog, yeah. And <laughs> no, you're right, actually. If you've never had that relationship with a dog, then you wouldn't understand, I suppose. There you go. There yeah. you go. So, a bit harsh on old Lydian. And she was there and she did drive her around, but she couldn't quite empathize i'll give no. you that but she, she didn't leave you didn't leave old lindy bot there hanging though did she no she didn't no. she didn't 
So I think you need to rewrite your monologue and okay. then take that bit out and then say it again. Okay. <laughs> I'll deliver it again next week with that bit missing. Good, good, good. Now, um, I think, considering we've got 64 million billion calls, because we, we decided that's how many calls we have, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Everybody on the planet that's ever been invented and created in the whole creation of humanity has called us this week. So we should crack on with these calls because we got lots. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Hello, it's Dusty Substances here, the wrong sort of listener. Um, I'm just wondering how much creepier Tichinob has to get before Helen realises what a complete SH1T he is. When will Shula or Adam or Charlie or Ed or Jennifer or David have the bottle to say something to someone? I mean, it's a bit risky, of course. I mean, look what's happened to Stefan. He's almost certainly stuffed in a culvert somewhere, steadfastly refusing to answer his texts or calls due to being a bit dead. Our only hope is that he pisses off Carol Treboggan. Nobody gets away with that, so fingers crossed. Um, finally, our newest silent, Ricky with the pimples. This is promising, I think. Uh, we'll be treated to this graphic description to show that Rob is a bit anti-pimple. He's got pimplist tendencies. Or is there another Ricky there who hasn't got pimples? And we have to know which one's which. I wonder. I think we should be told. Anyway, very exciting. Perhaps he's going to be friends with the buttons. We shall have to see. Anyway, that's it. Love to everyone. Bye. Dusty Substances says, how much creepier does Rob have to get before Helen realises what a creep he is? A lot more, I think, Dusty. Um, and she says, Stefan is steadfastly ignoring texts due to him being a bit dead. Um, yes, it would be good if Rob pissed off Carol Toboggan. I can, re- I agree, Dusty. I can see Carol Toboggan taking him down. She would see through his manipulation in a trice, I think. Uh, in the sort of way that you hope Pat would, but Pat doesn't because she's too frightened of alienating uh, Helen. But uh, old um, old old Toboggan would have absolutely no such compunction about um, saying to him, "Oi, no." But isn't the kind of uh, the genius thing about Rob is that um, the man's obviously an arse and is evil and he's killed Stefan? Yeah, right, but. <laughs> He's only revealed his, uh, his horribleness uh, in little snippets to different mm, people. Yeah. So it's not, in, it's not enough to hang him, you know, though Charlie has got his measure. And actually, yeah. Charlie's had his measure from, from quite some time. Charlie's yeah. never really liked him. Which takes us on neatly mm. to Andrew Horn, who is presumably, he says he's ringing in for his holiday in Turkey. He's probably in a bar called massive knockerinas or something hi there this is andrew horn doing a cosmo and dialing this in for my holiday in turkey i have a couple of points to make about rob this week i'm sure lots of others will it sets a bit of a chill through through me uh when he suggested to helen be the uh happy uh, organic face of the barrow farm pr push but you have to admire his ingeniousness Ooh, not sure if that's a word. Anyway, his ingenuity and his brilliance. Because what's better 
as an advocate than someone who is preeminent in the organic movement in the area. He's a sneaky little so-and-so. Anyway, on the plus side, I do believe that Charlie has rumbled him, that the demise of the Titchy Knob is not far off, and he will find a way of getting hold of Stefan. I think he's seen through it. Uh, he's too he's too wily as Charlie. So um, that's just about it. Um, except I'm a bit confused that um, I'm sending this on Thursday. Lost track of the days. Yes, Thursday. And in last night's episode, there was a comment by Tom about it being a busy period. Glad he's got Ed to help, especially with Eddie not being around for the next few weeks or not being available for the next few weeks. And I, I wasn't sure what that was about. Anyway. I hope someone can let me know. Bye. He said that uh, it sent a chill through him that Helen, that uh, Rob would ask Helen to be the happy organic face of the Barrow Farm uh, open Sunday thing. Yes, it was a very, very smart move on Rob's part and and yeah. just dreadful that he could make her uh, just relinquish all her, you know, her what she believes in. She doesn't want to upset him and, and he just, it just overwhelms her. Um, he says Charlie's rumbled Rob. Uh, and he said the demise of the Titchy Knob is on its way. Hoorah. But you know, I reckon it's going to happen here. And I'm a little bit loath to make this prediction because a few shows ago you said, Royfield, you don't do predictions. And, and generally I don't. But I think when Rob gets rumbled and gets run out of town, you know, pitchforks and, and all yeah. sorts, right? Um, Helen's going to discover that she's preggers. Oh. Oh. That's where this is going. Oh. Oh, I like that. I mean, I don't like it. It's horrible, but I can, yes. Ooh, hello. Yes, yes. That's so all even works, though he's going to get run out of town, yeah. never going to ever leave. Because he's too no. much of a character. Yeah. They'll be absolutely bonkers. Ooh, do you know? Too. I think you might be right. Mm. I've been thinking about this all week. I've been tossing and turning in my bed at night with this. <laughs> I really have. I've figured it all out. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Yep. Mm, you, all can, right. you can copyright that prediction. Next caller in a row. Um, oh, by the way, Andrew Horn, uh, this this thing, when, when they mentioned at uh, Brooker's that uh, Eddie wouldn't be available for the next month, it's because of this stupid thing of him going off to be a builder for a month. Mm. As if, as if he's going to jettison his regular milking and the job at the, at, the, at the cattle market for one month doing something he's no good at. It's just stupid. Wouldn't happen. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't happen. Ridiculous. Hello, good morning, Dumpty Dummers. Barrick Green here. I was listening to Auntie Cardboard's understandable sobbing last night and uh, wondered whether we might have to rename her Auntie Papier-Mâché. But the real question, of course, is who's been visiting her in her absence? Is this the time at which we see the return of honest I'm a craftsman, I am Daryl? Who knows? If not, then I wonder who else it might be. And will the uh, village of Ambridge's very own carpet burns be on the case? Or will he be too busy trying to track down the missing bunting? These and more mysteries will no doubt be revealed soon. In the meantime, enjoy listening. Ah, Barrett Green. Hello! I haven't spoken to Barrett Green since I went to his leaving duel, which was much fun. Um... 
And uh, yes, he sounds very sprightly, but he's got a cold. So, uh, um, ooh, my finger's binging. Um, so retirement is clearly not agreeing with him very much because he's catching nasty bugs. Uh, he is concerned about Auntie Cardboard turning into papier-mâché. Um, and he reckons that Daryl could be behind the uh, missing jewellery and things. And he said, has Carpet Burns got time? to deal with this what with his urgent FBI search for the sodding bunting CSI federal bunting of investigators hi it's Miss Mid-City here thanks for another great podcast it's been one of those weeks where the podcasts have been far more entertaining than the actual episode The Archers themselves thanks for the the great new website it looks amazing and I can't wait for the launch it's going to be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it. Moving on. Yeah, I'm fed up of already of the this new animosity between David and Kenton. I've said it before. There's absolutely no justification for it. And what I can't work out is why jo- uh, Jolene appears to be frustrated by it herself and uh, not in favour of, of Kenton's behaviour. And yet, to David's face... Um, she's very supportive of Kenton. Okay, I, I understand why she would be. It's he is her husband, but uh, he, he's about to drag her into a whole nother mire of debt if she doesn't uh, start being being a bit more consistent and telling him that he's a complete plonker. On the subject of emergency puddings, when I was a child, my older brother uh, used to dice an eating apple sprinkle it with granulated sugar and present it to my younger brother and I as <laughs> as a pudding which I thought was fantastic at the time uh, but now my emergency pudding is is tinned fruit I absolutely love the graininess of tinned pears and I love tinned mandarins and tinned grapefruit <laughs> lovely and Royfield says that he's descended from royalty and so am I ever since watching Roots in the 1970s uh, my mother has assured my siblings and I that her great-grandfather was African royalty who was uh, sold into slavery by an evil older brother or something anyway i'm not sure of the the lineage exactly certainly i can't claim to come from scottish royalty but still african royalty is good enough for me what i was going to say about linda was that i'm genuinely sad that scruff can't be found because i really like linda and i got a lot of sympathy for her because we've had when i was little we had pets that would frequently just go missing and cats would come back after after weeks with only one eye or one leg and uh, dogs that unfortunately never came back at all. So, um, and it's really heartbreaking to lose a pet like that. But I do feel like I'm being manipulated into the miraculous reappearance of Scruff. I feel a bit like I'm being softened up for for that particular episode. But uh, anyway, it's Linda, so I don't mind. Yes, Miss Mid City says her emergency pudding Mm-hmm. was a diced apple sprinkled with sugar mm-hmm. that was made up by her brother and he sort of conned her into thinking it was a great treat so she ate it and liked it but she said now it's emerg- it's a tinned pet tinned fruit and tinned pears which mm-hmm. made me go because they make your teeth go furry tinned pears no they do but they're, but they're nice though there's something about that slightly too sweet juice that they come you know <laughs> tinned with and she said that yeah she's our second royal caller in because 
Ever since her mother watched Roots, she's told her that her family was African royalty. You know what? That program. Oh, crumbs. I tell you, as a kid, right, there are two programs that knocked our family sideways. It was uh, Jesus of Nazareth with Robert Powell. Was that slightly before your time? Yeah. All right. And I remember when it first came on, I don't know, this is like 77 or 78, one or the other. And they ran it over Easter and it was just epic. And he had the most staring, intense blue eyes. And it was just Jesus, you know, he just, oh. And my dad said, oh, this is Jesus. You know, no dad, it's an actor playing Jesus. But like, it was just like, so just like, it was just, that show was such a hit. And then the other one, if you were black, was just Roots. Roots, 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 and... Well, because you didn't see black people on TV. Well, you did. But, you know, you had Huggy Bear in Starsky and Hutch doing all the crap stuff. Yeah, but not normal, but, you know, not not sort of hero TV or not not drama TV. Well, yeah, Sidney Poitier. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm slightly trying to pull your argument to pieces. But really, you, you, that, that was the whole point. It wasn't just that it wasn't, uh, it was a black person. It was black people. Yeah. It was all yeah. about the, the black experience. That was the thing. And even though um, Alex Haley made three quarters of it up, it didn't really matter. Mm. You know, because he's subsequently been taken to task and proven that he nicked this from that, yeah. this story and, and this from the other. But it doesn't really matter. It was the experience which is kind of undocumented and for the most part could not have been because the records were, were never kept of, of these slaves you know and it was just it was important because of the symbolism and i tell you no black person in the western world did anything while roots was on that was it you know you just it was like going to church really yeah oh god yeah yeah, yeah. like the phone didn't ring you know nothing happened you just you were watching that and because you're watching all part of your own history. Yeah. So, mm. and, um, but the, so, so subsequently though, they, they kind of got a bit weaker because he did do another series and he took it right up to the modern day where I think he was in the Navy or something or another. But Chicken George, Kunta Kinte, uh, Kizzy, you just remember all the names. Yeah. It was such an amazing an amazing series and uh, an, an amazing um, set of books. Mm. Yeah. But hey, uh, I've forgotten what we're talking well, we've, about. We've done tinned pudding and oh, roots. That was, <laughs> that was it. I, I was just like, you know, high-fiving with a fellow black person, wasn't I? Yeah. Well, <laughs> through the podcast of talking about the archers. <laughs> Hello, dumb stomach. Joe Bear here. Yes, you missed me last week. Um, I just had a really hellishly busy week and I just didn't get round to calling in. But also as well, I've got a new job, which is fantastic. The great thing about it is, is that I'm going to be working in the same place as Goddess Diva. What could possibly go wrong, eh? And the great thing about it is, not wanting to be gradist or anything, but um, I'm going to be a couple of grades above her. Uh, I have suggested to Goddess Diva that I think it would be very appropriate from this point forward if she referred to me as Sir. 
She responded by saying that she thought it would be appropriate if she just kicked me swiftly in the danglers. So we kind of left it at that, really. Okay, on to the archers. Um, the whole thing about the voices, I'm beginning to get used to the voices a little. There are some, there are differences, but it takes a while to kind of acclimatise to them. I think it will, over time, it will settle down and we'll get used to them. It's a bit of a shame, really, because I created this new game. You know, like Who Done It? I was playing with the archers with Who Said It? Basically, a scene would happen. About 10 minutes later, I'd sit there like a eureka light bulb going on, going, oh, it was Tom. So, you know, lost a bit of fun there. Um, Rob, well, God, what can you say? Colvert Gate. In my head, when I picture Rob blocking the culvert, it's like a Frankenstein film. The rain lashing down, lightning forking through the sky, and Rob hunched over the culvert, laughing like a maniac. But that's probably just me. I've watched too many Hammer Horror films, so, you know. But, I mean, I, I don't know whether he's going to get his comeuppance. There's a part of me that really wants this to be the bit where Rob really gets his comeuppance, but he's so slippery. The whole thing with sending Stefan back home was, well, assuming he's not murdered Stefan, it just shows that he's thinking one step ahead of everybody. And I think that this is actually going to get to the point where Helen and Rob are going to get married. And I think it's going to be awful. Absolutely awful. Um, so, but there you go. Um, okay, not much else to say at the moment. Um, but uh, yes... Yokel Bear has had a very mm. busy week and a new job, and he is going to be a, 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 the the boss of Goddess Diva. God mm. help him. That's all exactly. I can say. <laughs> I don't know how you can keep that woman managed. <laughs> um, and he said that he started playing Who Said It's rather than mm. Who Done It's because after the scene's finished, he sits there thinking, "Who the hell? Oh, it was Tom." Um. And uh, yes, I, I also had the, 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 the Frankenstein image of uh, Rob um, being sort of with rain ro coming at him sort of diagonally while he l cackled into the wind and wedged tree trunks into the culvert. Um, he reckons that Helen and Rob are going to get married and that's the big thing that's going to happen before he leaves. Um, I do hope not because it will take a lot more untangling than if poor Helen can just escape with what's left of her. Uh, self-respect intact yes mm. and Lady Gaff 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 oh, Gaff have I, have I got nothing to say about then uh, Mr Yokel Bear sorry have you got you just like no I hadn't but you just like you just ran on Lucy sorry you didn't even give me opportunity I know, but we've like, got so comment. many calls I've got I'm worried that this show's going to be about a fortnight long <sighs> go on then what have, you know, Lady, have you not got Lady Garf Garf. No, oh, right. I have nothing to talk to say. <laughs> but I'd like the opportunity <laughs> sorry, to say about nothing sorry, to say. Sorry, sorry. Hi, Lady Garf Garf here. First time calling in with that. I've been listening to the podcast about six months and really enjoying it. So thank you very much. Nothing has really prompted me to call in before, but having just heard today's podcast of the Archers from 
on Sunday and uh, hearing the levelers being played over Eddie's questionable friend's boombox in their hotel room. Um, I just thought I had to comment. My sisters are a bit older than me and were massive levelers fans in the late 80s and early 90s. We used to stomp around the house with their DMs and tie-dye t-shirts singing one way really, really loudly. So as a three-year-old, I kind of absorbed that and that along with the archers quickly became part of my cultural heritage so it's really nice to hear the two things together i also wanted to talk very briefly about shula i agree with lucy that shula is setting alistair this herculean test so that he doesn't stand a chance of passing because he doesn't know what's going on but i don't agree that she's doing it consciously i think it's completely subconscious firstly because shula is so pious and self-righteous and moral that i don't think she could herself to do that intentionally and also because if, if she was been thinking of doing this she'd run off and confess to Alistair or Jill or Elizabeth or somebody. In any case I don't think she'll go through with it. I think she'll get to the brink of infidelity and then sort of catch herself and realise what she's doing and run off because we've had too many archers infidelity stories already in the past couple of years so I think it would be lazy writing if, if she did actually go through with it but we'll see I suppose. I've been married now for seven weeks and a day so I'm clearly an expert on the subject not really but what I don't understand is why they don't just communicate and tell each other how they're feeling. I don't know why Sheila can't tell Alistair that she's feeling neglected and needs some love and attention and I don't understand why Alistair can't tell Shula that he's struggling and is feeling quite threatened by the presence of Doc Lock. Uh, why he's just bottling it up and shouting horse paintings when things get a little bit too much for him is beyond me. But there we go. Maybe when I've been married for 20 years, I have a right to comment on it. But what do I know? Anyway, thank you very much, Royfield and Lucy. You're doing a fantastic job. Um, and hopefully, meet you soon. Bye. Uh, Lady Garth Garth is a first-hand caller in the row. She thinks it would be lazy script writing for Shula to uh, have an affair with um, Dr. Dick. Um, I don't think that's going to happen either. Yeah, she says there's too much infidelity already and, and she thinks that she'll just get to the brink and then suddenly think, hang on, what am I doing? I don't even think it's going to come to the brink. I think he's going to slap her down very, very, very quickly. Really? Like, you think yeah. he'll reject her? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh. He's just going to say, you know what? It was a long time ago, yeah. Shula. Yeah. Don't, don't be so silly. You've, yeah. got a lo- you've got a lovely family, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, it's really nice to see Daniel's got over his um, arthritis, etc., etc. Don't be so silly. And Alistair will be sitting in the corner of his rocking chair shouting, Horse pictures! <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's called in saying horse pictures this week, have they? <laughs> Oh, Miss Bentos, uh, Mrs. Bentos mentioned horse pictures. Oh, she did. Okay. <laughs> um, and this is very sweet. Lady Graf has been married for seven weeks and one day. Not that she's mm. counting or anything. Um, but she says, why, do, why don't Lind, uh, why don't Shula and Alistair just communicate and tell him, tell each other how they're feeling? And I think there speaks a woman who's only been married for seven weeks and one day. <laughs> yes. That would, in the ideal world, that is exactly what would happen. And this is why, yes, that's this very, very ideal world and it does not generally happen. Usually you have to reach a crisis point and then you do that after you've both sulked and banged, banged pans around for a bit. Mm. Mm. And, and you know this because how long have you been married for? I'm not married. Mm. Okay. 
<laughs> but he felt qualified to comment. <laughs> I did. Do you know what? The amount of time I've been with him, I feel qualified for the sodding George Cross. Um, right. Hello, you two. Goddess Diva here. Been in a bit of a strange mood all day. I think it's probably because I've got to go to work and leave my two beautiful kittens, Sylvia Perkhurst and Frida Catlow, on their own tomorrow while I go back to work. So, yeah, I was really looking forward to hearing Titchinob get his comeuppance, but it didn't happen. It's left me feeling kind of restless and kind of like, and a bit, you know what I mean, apart from Royfield, probably doesn't know what I mean. He's so Buddhist and so lovely. He's probably skipping through a forest with bluebirds alighting upon his head every now and then and doing a sweet little trill. But I digress. Um, yeah, scruff. For God's sake, either bring him home or don't. But really, this torture has gone on long enough. Can we um, end Lindy's torture? Not Lindy's. What about? See, I'm in a really weird mood today. <sighs> well, anywho, I'm back. Whose who's dog is Scruff? It is Linda's, isn't it? No. No, Shula's. Shula's dog. Jesus, uh, seriously, I think my mind has been addled by kittens and this next week where I'm back at work is just going to be real hard times for me. Goddess Diva does not want to leave her kittens. Uh, she's got to go back to work, which is very cross. Then she tries, she tries to talk about, I think she's, yes, she's had too much, too much pussy time uh, because she kind of descends into incoherence. She starts. Mm. She talks about Titchy Knob. Then she starts making strange noises. Ah, sort of noises. Um, mm. And then she said, "Scruff belongs to Shula," Shula. which mm. she didn't. He started off belonging to Shula, but then Linda took him on. And then her call just sort of trails off and stops. So <laughs> it doesn't really. She doesn't say goodbye. It just sort of disappears. So um, yes, I think we can just write that one off as Goddess Diva having hit too much of the floor polish or something I don't know what she's been doing but she's not with it would you like to say anything about that Royfield or not mm, well I've got one little tiny thing to say what is that it's that um, somebody on the Twitters did marvel about your encyclopedic uh, knowledge of most things archers like and then again you just proved it by knowing that Scruff started off with Shula. Yeah, but I was just thinking, I can't remember why. Why did Shula give him... He was a bit of a nightmare around the horses, wasn't he? He was too boisterous and she didn't have time to train him. You, uh, you're right. Now you're saying it. Yes, I think you're right. I think I think that's it. But I didn't even make that, that connection at all. You know, fair play to you. Well done. Hmm. I don't like it when you're nice. I sit... And look very suspicious. I'm waiting for the punch in the mush. Mrs. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Bentos is next. Hello, it's Catherine Bajan here. Other- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. 
Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Otherwise known as Mrs. Bentos on the Twitters. Before I start ranting about this week's arches, I just wanted to defend my emergency pudding honour. I heard someone saying last week that Mouth Trifle was invented by a comedian in, I think it was 1993. I'm sure he did do this, but our invention of Mouth Trifle uh, actually happened a little bit earlier than that, in the very early 90s when I was at university. So it sounds like great minds think alike, but I did not want you to think that I had plagiarised an obviously very good comedian. He must be great if he's into his mouth trifles. So um, that aside, I just wanted to give you a quick call about the little plot holes that um, I think quite a few of us have noticed in the arches this week. Obviously the thorny question of scruff not being microchipped, uh, notwithstanding, but also Shula's open-mouthed horror at the possibility of an empty house being looted. I wasn't quite sure the point she was trying to make. Was she saying that it was a little bit more noble to burglarise or rob somebody when they're actually in the house? Mm, very odd. I think Shula's grip on reality seems to be waning by the day. Um, she could probably provide you with the precise GPS location of Danbot at any given moment, but seems quite hazy about everything else and has got a very peculiar grasp on what constitutes a good idea. Obviously, meeting her ex in a cafe is not brilliant. I was wondering if it was the same cafe that Inspector Gadget Darling and Penfold uh, used to meet the now conveniently disappeared Stefan, but uh, who knows? I don't know if we'll ever work that one out. But also, uh, visiting an empty, flood-damaged house with a with a sort of aged relative who currently sounds a bit feebler than a comedy act on Britain's Got Talent is not the best plan in the world. I'm not quite sure what's going on with Sheila right now. But anyway, on to my obsession this week, which is the dating scene in Ambridge, which I can't believe what a seething hotbed of talent it really is. Quite a few of the regular cast are currently single, I just think they've got an embarrassment of riches to choose from, frankly. My particular favourites being mulleted Barry from The Bull and Ricky in the Sky with the Pimples. Um, Ricky seems to be a callow youth, uh, charmingly described by Rob Titchener as barely capable of stringing a sentence together. But I would have thought Titchy Nob would have seen this as a desirable attribute, because if he can't speak, then surely he can't answer back. But my particular fave is uh, Barry Crisp's. Um, I was wondering if perhaps Kate and he could give it a go. If not, perhaps you could pass him my number as he sounds utterly delightful. Anyone that can make his own entertainment with a packet of salty snacks and his own breath would surely win the favour of any lonely heart in Borsetshire. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed we get quite a few more mentions of him as he sounds gorgeous. Cheerio! 
She wants to stake her claim on mouth trifle, which is a sentence I have never said before in my life. Um, she said she did not nick it from Peter Bainham. Peter Bainham probably nicked it from her or they all came up with it at the same time. I don't know. Um, she says lots of inconsistencies. Yes, quite right, Mrs. Bentos. Why isn't Scruff microchipped? You know what? There's absolutely no reason, no way, I should say, that Linda would have a dog that wasn't microchipped. Absolutely. Someone on the Twitter feed said he is microchipped. Um, that they can remember that happening to him. God knows how. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Uh, but yes, I agree. There would, There is no way that he would not be microchipped. Um, <laughs> yes, fancy, fancy Auntie Cardboard's house being robbed what a surprise and how unbelievable that she would just leave a load of stuff in there um she says and she quite uh fancies barry crisps who can amuse himself with uh breath and a bag of an empty bag of uh, savory snacks and uh she says that she would quite like uh barry crisps and kate madicane to get it together mm. making her kate madicane crisps which <laughs> 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 I think it's quite catchy or crisp madicane. I don't know. Um, um, just before we go. Yeah. Um, go. Where are we going? Are we off? And leave this caller. Yes. Catherine Bajan. That's who Mrs. Bentos is. Yes. I love her. I know. You keep saying. I know. I just wanted to say that again. Okay. All right. Cool. That, now we can go on to another caller. <sighs> Hi there, Dumpty Dummers. It's Jojo Sexy Heels here. Well, what a week. Britain's Got Talent. You probably didn't watch it. I only caught it by accident. Group of five middle-aged men called Old Men Grooving or OMG. And oh my God, they started the semi-final dancing to Barwick Green. Yep, bit of a shock, but you know, they've, well, they got my vote anyway after that. And then listen to the omnibus today. And still no scruff. I don't think I can bear it much longer. I don't know how Lindy's holding it together. Please, 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 can scruff be okay? We want him found. I think it's the next weekend that the Dogs Trust um, are having an open day near where I live in northwest London. I'm hoping I'm going to find scruff there if the scriptwriters haven't found him between now and then. Anybody out there who loves animals support your local dog charities oh gosh lindy was in tears lillian was driving around couldn't bear it anyway that's enough from me uh jojo sexy Hill said that on britain's got talent there was a group of five middle-aged men called omg mm. and they danced to barrett green well they walked out to it oh mm. but no it, it started their act it's what it started their act. St- yes, that's what she said. Mm. What do you mean Don't they walked out? Oh, I see. Dancing. I thought you meant walked out as in off. You mean they walked out on stage to it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, were they good uh, or not? Uh, yeah, well, there was a... What they did was actually... It was very clever and it's very funny. But when you've see, kind of seen it once, the shock of these kind of... what I think there's five or six of them. Five or six... Obviously, middle-aged guys. One of them was quite corpulent. A um, couple of them had severe cases of male pattern baldness. Uh, <laughs> you know, and they looked kind of out of shape and just properly middle-aged. And they were wearing, like, 
beige slacks and you know and one with sweaters so they came on and they said we're gonna dance and you just thought well it's just stupid and of course they could really bust a move so to speak but after you saw it the first time mm. that power's gone yeah. you know because you know that in all dance you know one of them started break dancing one of them was doing the robot and whatever the heck and the you know and popping and locking and they, they, they were very good they were very good um but you know it, i did I did uh, after I, well, after I heard uh, Jojo Six Heels call. I did go on to YouTube and have a little little look, and you laughed the first time. Second time, look, eh. you know. <laughs> Third time, mm, not so much. <laughs> but no, well done, especially the fat guy because he could really dance, and he's properly fat, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um... Yes, and she's also very worried about Scruff and said that it's not fair of the scriptwriters to make us think that he was coming back and then he was not Scruff. And she says that was made her feel very sad. Mm. I know you don't care. You are not an animal person, are you? Well, it's not that I'm not an animal person, but it, it, this is very... I, I think we've talked about this many, many, many podcasts ago. But I come from, ultimately, from a culture where animals, yeah. are, are they work. Yeah. You know, my father grew up with dogs and rode horses, etc., uh, etc. Et but he didn't have, the, you know, a Western relationship with no. animals. They, they worked. You know, he was fond of his dog. I remember he also talks about his dog, Rex. But it wasn't like, you know, Rex licked his face and came in and, you know, and... Uh, and, and even came into the house. That's very on Jamaican, very on West Indian. Um, a dog is always outdoors yeah. and it's a specific dog to do, yeah. a specific job to do, sorry. Yeah. You know, so, and I didn't kind of grow up with pets. So I'm a bit, hmm, yeah. you know, but, but don't get me wrong, you know, lots of my friends have pets and they seem to be pretty nice. And they, and on, a, on the other occasion, you've got to stroke them and <laughs> they jump on your lap and. And you scream uh, and run away. <laughs> Oh, no, but it's not nice when they sniff your crotch, though. <laughs> just want to you give shouldn't a have a smelly crotch. If you washed well, it now and again, they wouldn't smell it. They sniff everyone's crotch. <laughs> it's just you to get to know them, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but no, 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 no. Um, but I, I think, you know, it, it, I'm not going to say it divides opinion. It doesn't divide opinion at all. You know, this is a, we're in England, we're in Britain. And most people in Britain absolutely love their pets. Hence, on Britain's Got Talent, a dog act won yet again. Yeah. yeah it tells you everything you need to know about us Brits and, and pets. But I'm slightly, slightly, yeah, it's all kind of lovely, but... Mm, yeah. you know. Hello, Lucy and Royfield. It's Auntie Jean here, yet again, wrestling with the vagaries of technology and hoping, this time, that you get my message. Because I did want leave one last week, but I don't know where it went. It got lost in the ether. Anyway, here I go. Point of order, I think, for you, the Fairbrother brothers. Life's too short, frankly. We need to call them something else. So, Fairbro Bros, FBBs, or Fair Brethren, but never the Fairbrother brothers, because, you know, we've got life to lead, frankly. So, you can decide on that one. Am I the only person who thinks that Ed's missing out a little bit here? Because surely he's got enough land at Grange Farm to let the fair brethren have 50 acres for their flipping geese and then that would be 50 acres he didn't have to rent off Oliver of course there may not be 50 acres at Grange Farm I really have no idea but anyway it's just a thought 
I still think, though, that Ed is in for a beating when Charlie discovers that it was him that told David that the culvert was blocked at one end and not the other, and he wasn't supposed to be mouthing off about it. He was supposed to be keeping quiet because that was part of the deal, and therefore he'll lose all the work at the estate, and that, as it were, will be that. Typical Ed, though, can't keep his mouth shut. Kenton, on the other hand, well... Would somebody mind volunteering? I'm going to give Kenton a good old slap around the chops because, frankly, I've had enough of him now. He's just ridiculous. He's the one that went out and spent the money when he didn't have it, and yet Davey's getting all the blame of it. Well, I'm sorry, but it's just nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Uh, Lovely Auntie Jean thinks Ed is missing out and that he is heading for a fall again, that he is going to be pinned with the uh, the culvert problems somehow it's going to land on his lap uh, you know I was thinking about it she said this. he can't keep his mouth shut but he hasn't said anything and Rob knows that it wasn't Ed that blabbed it was Stefan mm. you know Ed is going to get it in the neck somehow but I, I haven't quite worked out how how does Rob know it was Stefan well, he's worked out, hasn't he? It's the reason why he sent Stefan away. Yeah. But he said to Ed, you're practically staff now. Mm. Then in the next episode, Charlie was saying to him, it was a staff member. But he, but he knows it's Stefan. That's the reason why Stefan yeah. went away. He's, obviously, he's lent on Stefan enough for Stefan to go, yeah, Rob, I did see but you. But what Ed did do was tell David. He... he didn't tell well he, he said he tried uh, not to tell david didn't he that's what he was mm. he sort of said it and then went into reverse hurriedly because he suddenly realized oh sugar i shouldn't be saying this mm. anyway i must admit i'm I'm slightly finding the culvert thing a little a little bit tedious if i'm being honest with you um I but mean, they aren't there is an awful lot of dragged out storylines i'm quite missing the days where people would get pregnant and give birth within a week and a half that was quite good (laughs) (laughs) or you know build a house in a in a fortnight Mm. Ah, um ah now lauren this i love this i don't know if you read it it was a a, a tweet from lawrence carey but it was a dm he's listened to he was having problems downloading the the podcast last week Mm. so you told him what to do and fixed it and then he played it and he said, yes, I listened while driving. I laughed so much I nearly drove off the road. I then walked into a customer's house, told him what his oven needed. And his response was, right, you are. I had to go to my van to laugh. <laughs> um, that was very peculiar last week. What was peculiar? Um, so what happened? So you do. So I edit the show. And then you export it and it kind of mixes it all together. So it's in little chunks when you edit it. And then it says export and it makes it all, all together. And then I just upload it. And for some strange reason, it didn't mix it correctly. Oh. So when I fixed it, I didn't do anything other than just export it again. But it seemed to correct it. And it oh. pulled, it was, it was the end bit of you talking with the beginning bit of me. So we were completely not to be talking at cross purposes. But not in a deliberate way. I was going to say, <laughs> you generally are. How could yeah. you possibly tell? 
and it was it was most bizarre, most bizarre. But I say to fix it, all I did was just copy the whole thing and send it up again. It's very bizarre. But thank you for our eagle-eyed, uh, eagle-eyed, eagle-eared, uh, or bat-eared listeners. <laughs> That's not very nice. Re- well, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Who um, didn't only just spot that, but then sent us a couple of DMs to yeah. say, uh, your show sounds <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, they said sort in a very it. helpful way. They sort of yeah, but in a very, in a very in helpful a very British way. way, sort of going, yes. oh, uh, you might want to have another look at this again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh, yes. no, no, thank you for that. And and it was done so so quickly that I could basically upload it again, and most people didn't even notice. But no, thank you for that. Really do appreciate it. And now we have my sister who has rung in to embarrass me. Mm. Hi, it's Charlotte. Um, I am. Lucy's sister and I work as a chef but I wanted to phone in because Lucy laughing at Roy Fields embarrassingly but funnily um, she neglected to mention to Roy Field that we are actually very distantly related also to the Scottish Kings I believe there was a Kenneth and a Malcolm possibly the second to whom we are related and unfortunately um, I think Malcolm possibly killed one of Royfield's ancestors. I'm really sorry. So I think her laughter is merely guilt. So really good show. Thank you very much. And I do enjoy listening to it in my kitchen while I'm at work making cakes and things. And people look at me very strangely because I'm smiling and chuckling to myself. Have a good show this week. Bye. So it looks like I'm going to have to apologise for murdering your ancestors, Royf. The doofy. Listen. <laughs> Shut up. I knew there was something behind that evil cackle. <laughs> but I, I, you know what? I didn't quite get it, but, you know, half the listeners seemed to think that was quite, quite funny. <laughs> and, uh... I think it was just me completely and utterly losing it that what was making people laugh i think i was incoherent so no one knew what i was saying anyway but anyway yes but apparently we did we did murder some of your doofuses so i apologize for murdering doofuses on behalf of my tribe i apologize perfect and Good. also for laughing like a drain drain yes a demented evil <laughs> regicidal drain <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am sorry. Good. <laughs> uh, and thank you, Charlotte, for ringing in. Yes. No, no, she, she's the Freeman that I like. <sighs> yes. Now, have we got any more calls? Mm, no. All right, cool. Well, this show might not be 15 hours long then in the end. <laughs> um, right. Uh, so let's have a swift break. Let's have a little uh, advert from our wondrous sponsor and then come back the other side, touch your millie, then we can do hashtag the archers tweets of the week. I always think when you say that you're saying touch your millie and it sounds like a, a euphemism for something and I'm thinking, what? No, Lucy, I'm not saying then that. touch your millie. <laughs> a little bit of millie, a little touch of millie. Yes. No, it's the way, there's something about the way you say it that always comes out mm. slightly. <clears throat> yes, they're all right. Mm. Fine. Yes, we'll do that. We'll do that. 
Fancy getting your mouth round something warm? Something comforting you can really get a firm grip on? Why not buy a Dumpty Dum mug from the shop at dumptydum.com? Goes down lovely. Um, my name is Kate. My name's Joe. My name's Nicola. My name is Suzanne Hakimi. My name is Mary Parkinson. I'm in Hope House as a client. Um, I have had addiction issues um, throughout my house, life, um, um, including an eating disorder, heroin, crack, um, addiction drink, to drugs, methadone, alcohol. I'm here because it got really bad. Hope House started off as an eight-bed unit in Maida Vale, and um, we're an all-women unit. I had read an article about Hope House some months before, and when I read about it, what I read or what I took away from the article was that this was a place where women worked to help other women. Coming soon to iTunes, 1001 Conversations, a new podcast from Royfield Brown. Do you have a National Trust sticker on your car? Do you think you could be best friends with Kath Kitson? Do you spend hours wandering around the airport looking for an organic quinoa cafe because you refuse to go to Burger King? Then Sarah Smith Cloths are for you. Available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Right. We're back, smashing super. Now, mm, mm, mm. let's go down under and have a little touch of Millie Bell. Good day, everyone. Millie Bell here. It's been a huge week on the Book of Face, so I'm going to speed through these because it's been great fun. In Ambridge Addicts, Peter Hayes Fripps said, Who would have thought that Rob would have such control over Helen that he might even persuade her to ditch her organic principles and speak on behalf of of a huge agri-enterprise about an open day that is in direct competition with David and Ruth. The man's talent knows no limits. Rob McKay in Ambridge Addicts said, Clearly, Charlie doesn't believe a word Rob is saying and doesn't seem to like him much either. And why would he? Stefan's rapid return home on compassionate grounds for some dubious and unprovable reason, solely sanctioned by Rob. Don't try and contact him, Charlie. He'll only speak to me. Would be enough to set anyone's alarm bells ringing. Charlie seems to be playing this very coolly. Well acted and well written. Rob seems to think that he's dealing with all his problems. CSA, the SAB and now the flood. And sounding rather smug. He's even generously going to join the cricket team. Pride comes before a... Tanya Stevens in The Artist Anonymous says, I never want to hear about sodding bunting ever again. Audrey Coombs in Ambridge Addict says, Stefan will turn out to be the brother of Pavel. Pavel will tell Stefan about his thing with Adam. Rob will attack Stefan, who begs him to stop by promising him a bit of juicy information he can use. He tells Rob about the affair, and Rob blackmails Adam, who uses Charlie's soft spot for him to persuade him to back off from investigating Rob's party in Culvertgate. Job done. Or something like that. Sharon Evans has been busy. In the Tony Archer Appreciation Society, she says, Good to hear Tony back to himself, moaning about being forced, forced I tell you, on a cruise and missing silaging. And in Upstairs at the Ball, she said, I'd like to tip Kenton's pint in his lap and say, Overcome that, you petulant baby. 
Susan Jones in The Archers Anonymous said, Would someone please pop Kenton in the bailer and shut him up? He doesn't need to die, he could just be bailed, gagged and made to stand in a field for three days while his mother and siblings take it in turns to tell him what an absolute ungrateful idiot child he is. Fiona Weir in Archer's Appreciation asks, Honestly, is everyone in Ambridge stupid, leaving valuables in an unsecured empty house? Telling the main suspect in Floodgate to assemble all the potential witnesses. Not informing the police that there is a credible witness alleging that the culvert was blocked deliberately. Buying a TV for someone who hates you. Turning down a free TV and buying one yourself, although you have no money. Forgetting you have a mother in Northumberland who was almost at death's door five minutes ago. Believing Rob. I give up. If they were my kids, I'd be holding my heads in my hands and weeping by now. Nikki Smith said, in Archer's appreciation... Kate's unbalanced yang is my new favourite character. Her yin is rubbish though, it doesn't have the rod of training. Peter Hayes Fripps in Ambridge Addicts also said, I'm sure you didn't come here to compliment me on my soft fruit. The dialogue between Adam and Charlie gets more like carry on every day. <laughs> Brian Entwistle in Ambridge Addicts says, I think David should forget about helping Kenton financially and turn to helping Lillian, who also has financial problems. David could buy Lillian's share of the bull and go in and say to Kenton, I am your new partner. I love that. Jenny Harrison in the Archers Anonymous says, If they've recast Scruff with a different dog, it'll be the final straw for me. Jane Wilson in the David Archer Appreciation Group says, Dear David, Kenton is beyond help, so just stop feeling guilty. Stop trying to offer help. Tell the rest of the family why, including Janine, and get on with your life. Let Kenton finally fall into the pit of bankruptcy, which he has been rescued from at least twice before by his adoringly stupid and short-sighted family, and let him, let him come grovelling for help again. One from Ben the Ambridge Cat, who says, Not quite in mourning for Scruff, but getting pretty damn close. Poor Linda. Incidentally, I was once considered for the most important role in a remake of The Incredible Journey. I was robbed. Lisa Gibbs in The Archers Anonymous says, Not only was it cruel to Linda and us when the dog turned out not to be scrub, I have sustained injuries in listening to last night's episode. There I was this morning, lying in bed, enjoying cuppa, listening to the podcast, when Linda squeaked Scruff's favourite toy. Now, whilst one of my dogs, George, is virtually deaf, the other, Tilly, is hugely noise-reactive. She was also rescued from a pound, so the noise of barking dogs also triggers lunacy. Lunacy in a bull terrier is not to be taken lightly. They are built like house bricks and about as agile. As soon as the squeaky toy went off, I had 21 kilograms of bull terrier on my head bouncing. I just got her calm again and the noise of the other dogs kicked her off again. So I now have a very poorly head. My coffee is all over me and I have to change the bedding. And it wasn't even scruff. I wouldn't have minded so much if it was. I wonder if I can sue. On our page, it says, we asked the question, Ed and Emma have just got back from their honeymoon. Where did you spend yours and did you have to forgo listening to the Archers as a penance? Catherine Bajant says, Sicily and yes, because it was pre-iPlayer. I miss the Grundys moving into Willow Farm in a caravan. Ruth coming back to milking after her illness and this shocker. What has George done to his onions? Now I'll never know. Chris Sunderland said, We had a week in Chester 30 years ago. One day we went for a walk along the Dee where we encountered the police dragging a body out of the river. Very romantic. I wasn't an Archer's listener back then, by the way. Kiara Mangan says, Belize, just back two weeks ago. With Wi-Fi, even in the rainforest, I didn't miss an episode. You've got to have a bit of downtime. 
Robin Wilson Proctor says Hawaii, but that was long before I knew about the arches. Uh, Heidi Griffith says didn't have one, but 25 years on, I'm going to make up for it. Jacqueline Bertho said Kenya, and I missed two whole weeks. It was terrible as I was away when Phil died. This can never happen again. No, I guess Phil can only die once. Joe Jackson says Makanudu in the Maldives in 2000. Don't think there was podcasting or listen again then. Kevin Slattery, he went to Zakynthus for a fortnight over 20 years ago. He missed the arches and stopped listening for a few years. Shame on him. Diane Telford had a week in Dorset with her then toddler and the arches was on most afternoons in the car. And Deborah Boney faces, I was in Honduras but managed to stream Kirsty and Tom's non-wedding. I think we can work out who the addicts are, can't we? Hooroo, everybody, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for that. Now, I think we should do some tweet stuff. What do you reckon, Lucy? Okie dokie. Tell us about the, the best tweets you've encountered in the last seven days, which have the ending hashtag... The archers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the vintage year said Jolene sounds like a woman who's finally facing up to the reality of accidentally marrying a feckless Burke. I think the words feckless Burke are perfect for Kenton. Absolutely perfect. Um, Cormac seventy. Uh, they were there was a big, 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 big discussion going on involving lots of people on Twitter about the new voices and how difficult it was to tell them apart. And um, Cormac70 said, yes, evidenced by the constant, hello, new Tom. Oh, hello, Rex and Toby. How are you? I, Toby, am fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, the Archer's Twitter account, the proper one, uh, tweeted that a quarter of parents admitted that they got all their farming knowledge from the Archer's. Hinge Zandal responded immediately by saying, uh, more worryingly, 34% of farmers get all their parenting knowledge from the archers. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tabby Whisperer said, it was just quite a sweet little tweet because it was such a peculiar week on the archers. She said, I thought Fat Paul might be called that because he's skinny. Turns out he is actually fat. I've learnt lots from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and my tweet of the week was, du- from, was from Paul Morris who said, sound of clanking as Stefan runs across the fields with a sack of Christine's loot slung over his shoulder and scuff, scruff under his arm. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be good if they tied it together and when whoever nicked um, the stuff actually did have scruff? Mm. Yeah. So that's slightly less impressive than your excellent prediction about mm-hmm. uh, Helen getting up the clangor when uh, Rob gets run out of town. Exactly. But it could happen. It could happen, but it'd be somewhat convoluted, though, wouldn't it? It would really, yes. Really pretty convoluted. <laughs> I just want Scruff to come back. I don't like it. But what are the chances that that pooch is going to turn up again now? Well, no, I know. Was it three months now? Which means that the Grundies have been at um, uh, uh, Gay Grables for three months. And someone said on Twitter today, who is their insurance company and can I join? <laughs> <laughs> Three months in Gay Grables. Unbelievable. Mm. Joe is, you know, eating his own body weight in kippers and God knows what every morning. Very true. You know what? That is, you know, I hadn't even thought of that. They have been there way too long, haven't they? Yeah. And if yeah. you're them, why would you even want to leave? Now? There is something funny. I don't know what the what is going on, but there is something funny going on with Eddie and Clary at the minute. 
Mm. Eddie's all of a sudden got this, oh, I've got to go off and build a house job, which never, ever happens. And Clary had one sentence in that wedding. Everything that's happening with Clary is happening third hand. It's happening off mic kind of thing. And I don't like it. It's making me feel very uneasy because they are as big a part of the archers as the archers. And if they start messing around with them, I will... There'll be a reckoning. Well, you'll do what? You'll, you'll march down to Broadcasting House with a placard. Yes. So, like with all the other lunatics that marched down to... <laughs> I'll drive a tank like that person did when Jeremy Clarkson got the boot. Mm. Talking about Eddie Grundy. Mm. Um, I was chatting to somebody two, three weeks ago and they were talking about the world of Archer's fandom pre the internet. Yeah. And the fact that there used to be a big Eddie Grundy um, fan club. Yeah. And the great and the good of the establishment used to meet at some club in London uh, once a month or once every two, three months and, and drink his good health. And this was a serious thing for a long time. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like your, your, like your Ingrams and your, you know, your private eye people and all sorts. And it's a real kind of who's who of the upper echelons of uh, broadcast, BBC, etc., etc. who were... As opposed to our show, which is more of a who's that, but anyway. <sighs> You're slagging off our listeners. <laughs> no, That's us. Not very I'm, no, I'm not. I'm slagging off us. No. Well, listen, all we, we just provide a platform. We do. Yeah, for people to, to uh, you know, express their views on the archers. And it's not about truth. us. Not tin about truth. us. <laughs> and about tea. It's not about us, Lucy. And their relatives. And <laughs> anything else that we fancy talking about. Mm, true. Uh, now, shall we just, like, get to the end of this show? Okay. All right, smashing. Uh, shop news. <laughs> All right, so, yes, folks, this is the section where we tell you which dum de dumber has bought what. It's shop news. <laughs> uh, Jacqueline Berthaud has brought a large pet bowl. Which is somewhat apt with all this scruff talk. And then she followed it up with a... Junior spaghetti tank top and woman's v-neck t-shirt. Woohoo! You go, Jacqueline Berthaud. <laughs> oh, and actually, she went to Birmingham this weekend. Did she? Yeah, she went on some knitting thing, graffiti ah. knitting in Hall Green. Wow. Yeah, we had a little little bit of tweet action with each ah. other. I love my Jacqueline Berto. Now, special props also need to go out to... Suzanne Hardy, Hardy at Glitter Girl. Who wore her Dum De Dum t-shirt to the Prado pilgrimage this weekend and tweeted all about it. So if you go on to our uh, Twitter feed, you can actually see her in all of her glory, talking about Prada and doing stuff there. Now, oh, reviews news. We're not going to sing it together. Sorry. Reviews, reviews, <laughs> news, reviews. Now we are so close to the big two hundred, but we well, well, I was going to say we only had one, but we had two. But I suppose the two hundred I'm counting from the UK iTunes store. But actually, I've got some iTunes news actually to come. Actually, so. Mm. But anyway, Lee, uh, Lucy. Yep. Uh, why don't you tell us which person in the UK wrote us a review? Uh, Lisa JT. And from the colony that got away? Morgan NYNY. Mm -hmm. Now, here's a little bit of reviews news. I didn't realise 
But in April, we got into the iTunes Top 100. Did we? In the UK, yeah. Wow. It was the Tim Bentink episode. Ah. Yeah. Um, I bumped into this fact by when I was doing some Googling a few days ago, and I was like, holy camoly. I know we're like number 50 or something or another. So there we go. Cool. Core indeed. Um, remember, you can be awarded the Order of John Archer by emailing us if your name is John, or you can prove that you have a real link to a gentleman who goes by the name of John, and you will be knighted John the Seventh. So this week I got my sword out, and little Johnny Fryberger in the colony that got away has knelt before me to become John the Sixth because his nana sent through this email. Uh, this is from uh, Maureen uh, Freiburg. You are dubbing people named John. I just want to add my little John to the mix. He is our first grandchild, born May the 25th. Congratulations, Maureen. Uh, my son and his wife named him John. Even though we live in Iowa, USA, my grandson John is worthy of your sir honour. Thanks for your consideration. Of course he is worthy of it. He, Absolutely. Little, little John the 7th. No, the sixth. 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 <laughs> uh, you can also go to patreon.com, search for Dumpty Dum, and you can donate $2 a show, which is about £1.30. Now, if you're done doing your Patreon, you don't buy anything from the shop, you've written a review on iTunes, why don't you just like click the donate button on dumptydum.com. And this week, we have donations from... Felicity. And Maureen Freiberger. Just Proud pretty. Grandma, Maureen Freiberger. Yeah, and also proud grandma to a, a to a knight of yes, the realm. Yes, I know. It is very rare that you are born into knighthood. <laughs> remember, 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 you can also send us a voicemail message via the site because that's the meat and grist of the show or whatever the heck the expression is. Uh, or you can call us on 0203 from an ordinary phone that just like rings people up. And you can leave us a message. You can also ping us an email if you like, or you can tweet me at Royfield. Me at Lucy V. Freeman. Or the both of us at Dumpty Dum. Or Sarah Smith at Sarah underscore Smith. So please, please, please keep those reviews coming because you want to be top of the podcast charts before Will Grundy is nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Well, that actually might happen the way things are going. <laughs> Who knows? I just don't know what to expect from next week. Mm. I, you know what? I don't either. I don't either. Other than I think I've cracked it with the whole Robin Helen. Yeah, I think you're probably irritatingly right. Why irritatingly right? Because I don't like it when you're right. It upsets the natural order of things. <laughs> because I'm not normally right. Yes. That's not true. <laughs> I was right when I said I needed a, a sidekick like you to do Dumby Dum. <laughs> and everyone I... else had turned you down. <laughs> That's not true. Only one person did. <laughs> well, I'm very glad they did turn you down anyway. Yeah, me too, actually. Aww. Yeah, you're much better than him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, I'm, I'm going to go now because okay. I, I need to get some stuff done. Okay. And I've been a bit rubbish this week, but you were your consistent, normal, fantastic self, so well done, you. Thank you. Well done, Lucy. Still making me very suspicious, this niceness. Oh, anyway. shut up, shut up. <laughs> just, just take a compliment on one. Okay. 
All right, Thank goodbye. You. Goodbye. Bye bye. <laughs> Busy in here today, Jolene, isn't it, Clary? Vicky? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A load of campaign buses all got stuck in what's left of the flood on the way to Birmingham. We're putting them up here tonight. Oh, is it Mr Cameron? He's ever so well-spoken. Oh, the other one can't help it if it sounds a bit like one of Eddie's turkeys. Something to do with them big lips, I suppose. Oh, she's only got a soft spot for him because him and his brother had that big bust up. Luckily, it's neither of them. It's them three women. You know, the Scots one, the Welsh one and the Green one. Oh, yeah. Well, I won't be voting for any of them. I'm not having Wales taken away from us. Scotland? Well, I don't mind that. But I've been on some lovely holidays in Abergavenny, and if I need to start renewing my passport every time I want a weekend in a caravan park... How are you, Linda? Oh, Susan... Clary, Vicky, Jolene, might I introduce you to Ms. Bennett? Call me Natalie. Oh, Natalie. We've been having a fascinating chat about Route B. Yeah, well, we definitely wouldn't let that happen if we were in charge around here. Oh, yeah? You're like that nice Mr. Farage. He's very keen on keeping things rural. Uh, no, no, we're nothing like... How are you, Ruth? Oh, hey, I've just been talking to Nicola here. I'd vote for you if I could, Nicola. I love the idea of a unification between Scotland and the North East. <clears throat> that was strictly between me and you, Ruth. Oh, yeah. I couldn't help overhearing. Well, we at Plaid Cymru are thinking of unifying Wales and Borsetshire. And in this way, I can guarantee no more floods. Yeah, well, well, we would guarantee no more roads. Well, I can guarantee no more austerity. Drinks on me, everyone. Well, I can guarantee loads more Welsh male choirs on Britain's Got Talent. Well, I can guarantee scrapping Britain's Got Talent. Well, I'm more of a celebrity jungle fan myself. Really? Me? I'm strictly all the way. Oh, yeah. I heard they rejected Alex Salmon from becoming a Strictly contestant this year. Well, let's face it, it's never been the same since Brucey left. They should get Carol Smiley to present it. I know she's available. Oh, well, I think Claudia and Tess make a natural coalition. You might have a point there, Lee. Oh, that's more like it, isn't it, Clary? <laughs> Talking about the issues that really make a difference. Uh, yeah. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.